Wow, how exciting to be here with you guys. Um, before I get started, I just um, want to, as the team prayed for me, I want to just take a moment um, to pray for the leaders who aren't here right now at the Love is Red conference. Um, the SLI team is there, and there's um, some of the impact leaders there. So, um, yeah, I just want to pray for them. Pray for them where they are right now. And uh, as I pray, I just encourage you to, to think about um, a leader that's maybe there or in this room um, that has maybe made a difference in your life or that has mentored you. And just take a moment and pray for them because I think it's important to pray for our leaders. Amen? So, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's pray right now. God, uh, I just pray for all those that are at the Love is Red conference right now. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit uh, right now will speak to them, that you'll just begin to stir something in them, that you'll refresh them. And as they go and they, and they learn, they spend time in your presence, Lord, I, I pray that you'll um, just give them something fresh and new um, for the leadership that they bring to this ministry. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, it truly is, truly is an honor to be here with you guys. And uh, this is a cool setup. I like this. this. There's so much room to walk around. This is fun. There's just like, there's so many of you. Um, my wife is here with me tonight, Michelle. Yeah, she's right there. Um, so I used to be a youth pastor, for those of you who don't know. And uh, my wife and I were saying how uh, the youth group that we pastored was like maybe this section. <laughs> and so it's so cool to see so many here and to see you guys all in the middle and jumping and being so passionate um, for the Lord. And truly, you guys are blessed with an amazing leadership team here, truly. Um, I, I, you know, I've got to know um, a lot of the leaders, and you guys are so blessed. And don't ever take that for granted. Always remember how amazing leaders you have, and always be praying for them. And this isn't even my notes. This is just for free, okay? So this is what I'm, I want to talk tonight about fear. Fear. Fear is this, uh, is this reality of our lives that we live, right? It's something that's just part of the life that we walk through. It's uh, something that we're, we're born with. It's something that we face every single day, often. So um, I just want to talk about it. I just want to kind of impact it. Oh, thank you, some water. What a, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Fear. So I want to start tonight by saying this, right off the bat. If fear and anxiety or a worry is something that you would identify as a struggle in your life, I want to just start by saying to not be ashamed of that. Because being afraid or being anxious or being worried is nothing to be ashamed of. That's just part of life. Those, these are all normal human reactions that we have to things. And yes, some of us struggle with it more than others. But that doesn't mean you need to be ashamed of it. It doesn't make you less of a Christian, and it doesn't make you less spiritual. So I just want to come out of the gate saying that. I don't know why I put that in my notes, but I did, and I said it, and now there it is. But I just want you guys to know that. Um, so, and I'm hoping that tonight, by just talking about it, maybe uh, there's some, some principles about this, or some tools that I might bring up, that maybe will just give you a different perspective on things, um, and just maybe help you begin down a path of maybe conquering these things in your life and getting a hold of them. So I really do and truly believe and hope that tonight um, it can maybe be a turning point for some of you when it comes to these things. So let's start by just kind of defining what fear is. So when I think of fear, I think of it like this. I think of it as this 
um, this in-between place. It's kind of like this in-between of the awareness of a situation and then the outcome of that situation. So when you're in that in-between, it's like you, it's like there's a situation and then there's going to be an outcome to that situation, but you're like in this in-between where you don't know what that outcome is going to be. And that's kind of where fear lives. I like to define fear like this. Fear is being unsure of what we hope for and uncertain of what we do not see. So if we agree, if that's what fear is, then we also are going to agree on this, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the crazy part is, is those words aren't mine, that's the Bible. And that's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When we're in this place, this place between being aw- of the awareness of a situation and the outcome, it's this battleground between faith and fear. So tonight we're going to talk about when we find ourselves in this battle. Um, and so I, when I think you're in this battle and, and there's fear and, and it's coming at you and you, you, need to just, you need to fight it and faith is what we are going to use to fight fear. But to do that, we really need to just unpack what faith is and what it means um, in, this, in the context of this battle. So I think there are three things that we need to think of. We need to think, what is our faith in? And we need to talk about owning our faith. And we need to talk about living our faith. So let's talk about um, what's our faith in. This is the point where I'm supposed to say something like, um, is your faith in God or is your faith in blank, right? Is your faith in God or is your faith in people? Is your faith in God or is your faith in Fortnite? Is your faith in God or is your faith in circumstances? It's kind of like this, this duel between is your faith in God or is your faith in blank? But for me, that's, that's just not quite enough. Like, I just, I want to know a little bit more. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean to have my faith in God? Or what does it mean to have my faith in something that isn't God? So let's um, just unpack that a bit more. I like to think of it like this. And maybe some of you have been in this situation where we can all imagine ourselves in this situation. So you get a call from a doctor, and they say, hey, I have those test results. Can you come in? I want to talk to you about it, right? Those, that's a, a lot of us have been in this situation, um, and it's, so it's scary, right? So here we go. We're in the awareness, so we have a situation. We're being called to the doctor's office. There's going to be an outcome, but we don't know what that is yet. So this is where we're in this place, in this battleground between fear and faith. So you could say, you could say, um, I have faith that God is going to give me a good outcome to the situation. I have faith that God's going to give me a good doctor's report. Cool, that's great, except for what if it isn't? What if it's not the news that you were expecting? So what do you do now? Do you lose your faith? Do you get angry at God? Do you accuse yourself for not having enough faith? Which I don't really, I don't even know how you, how you met, like what does that even mean? <laughs> you don't have enough faith, like, I don't know, scale of one to ten, I don't know, how does that work? What do we do? I think that the kind of faith that God is calling us to, and when I say having our faith in God over blank, I think that this kind of faith is the kind of faith that goes into that doctor's office and doesn't have faith in the outcome, 
but has faith in the God of the outcome. You don't have faith in the outcome, but you have faith in the God of the outcome. Meaning, it doesn't matter what that outcome is. It doesn't matter what that report is. You have faith that your God is bigger than that. You're having faith and believing that God loves for you, he cares for you, he can heal you, he can walk with you, he can give you strength to overcome anything. See, the, the problem is, is if you put your faith in an outcome, if it's a good outcome, awesome. You kind of like, great, I'm just going to move on. That was like one little moment in time. Problem is, is if you just keep going from one good outcome to the next, eventually you're going to run into a bad one and you're going to be lost and you're not going to know what to do. So that's why we put our faith in the God of the outcome. Because it's unrealistic for us to go through life expecting to always run into good outcomes. Or I should say it's unrealistic for us to go through life um, expecting that everything's going to go well or that we're not going to run into situations where fear is going to become a reality. That's just unrealistic. We just can't expect that. Because the problem is we live in a fallen world, right? And so these things are going to come at us. And this is why I say it doesn't make, like, if you're afraid, if you're feeling fear, like, that doesn't make you, like, a faithless person. This is just part of life. So this is why we need to talk about these things and just, you know, work them out and figure out how we're going to navigate these things, how we're going to manage these fears and anxiety and these things when they come up. So when we talk about what's our faith in, is a faith in God over blank, we're going to say that we have faith not in the outcomes, but in the God of the outcomes. Second thing, we need to own our faith. We need to take ownership of our faith. There's this incredible story in the book of Numbers, chapters 13. Maybe you know it. It's the, the story of the Israelite spies going into the promised land. So we have this, this picture so the Israelites have just come out of Egypt, you know, the whole thing, the plagues, the water, and they get on the other side, and they're all, like, happy, you know, God delivered them from the Egyptians like he said he would, and so they get to the edge of this land that God has promised them. Like, everything has been building to this moment. So God tells Moses to send some people into the land, just, like, scout things out, and then come back and do a report. So he's like, okay, let's do that. So they take one person from each tribe, so there's 12 of them because the Bible likes numbers. And then they come back, and they give their report. And they see some crazy things like giant grapes. I don't know, it's weird. There's milk, there's honey, the whole deal. Um, And so they come back, and they give their report. And so they're talking, and there's two things that these 12 people all agree on. Two things. First of all, they all agree that the land that they saw is good. They all agree that the land is good and it's abundant with all the things that they need. It has the milk and the honey, amen? <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know why that's a big deal, why milk and honey. If it was me, I'm thinking more like coffee and JBCs, right? Okay? If you ask my wife, she might say like chicken nuggets and flat Coke that's room temperature. I don't know why. <laughs> it's weird. There's just like... Half drank Cokes all over my house. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know why milk and honey. I'll figure it out one day. So 
they all agree, first of all, that the land is abundant with all the needs that, that they need. The second thing that they all agree on is that the people living in this land are many and they are fierce and it is going to be difficult to conquer this land. So these are two things that they all agree on. Ten of them decide to choose fear or they let fear drive the rest of their story and two of them decide to let faith drive the rest of their story. So what ends up happening is the ten are so afraid that they start to go around to the other Israelites. Like, I don't know if you picture the desert and there's just like hundreds of tents everywhere. And I just like pictured these ten like just going in and like popping their head in a tent. They're like, hey, this is a scary place. There's milk and honey, but just forget about that. <laughs> it's scary. You know, there's going to be giants there. It's, it's, it's terrifying. And they kind of just start to spread these lies. Or not lies, but they were, they were true. It was going to be, it was a scary place, but they were choosing fear, right? So they go around and they get everyone else afraid too. Which is a lesson in fear is that fear is contagious, right? It can spread. So they do this and all, of Israel, all the Israelites start to get really, really angry and really upset. And they start freaking out at Moses and Aaron, who are the leaders of the Israelite, at Israelites at the time. And uh, they start questioning their leadership, and they even go as far as saying, you know what, like, let's just go back to Egypt, like, forget this. Like, you know, we thought slavery was bad, but whatever we're heading into is worse, so let's just go back there. So that they're so freaked out that they're willing to go back into slavery. And this is what happens. So imagine this, this all these Israelites, are, they're in a giant crowd, they're freaking out at Moses and Aaron, And then Joshua and Caleb, who are the two other spies who chose faith, this is what they say. They say, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. From there, things get even worse. (laughs) Because then it says in the Bible that, all the people just wanted to stone the leaders. <laughs> they were just like, let's just get rid of these leaders because they're not taking us to where we want to go. So then Moses talks to God, and this is what God says to Moses. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I think that's a good question. I think God's asking a good question there. So here's two lessons I want to pull from this story on a, about owning your faith. Owning your faith. The first lesson is that owning our faith means looking back at where God has been faithful to us. When I read this story, I don't see it telling me that Joshua and Caleb weren't afraid. It never says that. It doesn't say that, like I said before, they all, like the 12 all agreed on the same two things. They all agreed that the land was good and they all agreed that it was going to be difficult to conquer. But the ten decided to be afraid, and Joshua and Caleb decided to have faith. Because they remembered what God had already done for them. And so I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, I don't, I don't have a story where I can look back and be like, oh, I remember when God did that for me. 
I don't think that's true. Because we all have a starting point to our story, and that's the cross that Jesus died on. So that's where you start. You start with the faithfulness of God to sacrifice his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. That's where you start with your story of God being faithful to you. And then, and then you just look back. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I were chatting with Pastor Brian and Rebecca, and uh, they were just kind of asking us about our story. And, and my wife and I went back years, like, I don't know how many years, a number of years, and we just kind of started going through, oh yeah, and then this happened, and this is the decision we made here, and, this, and then we went here, and this, and that, and blah. And I remember thinking that night, after they had left, like, wow, God has been so faithful. And, I, you know, we, we, we were sitting there telling all these stories about, like, oh yeah, they, you know, God really, you know, we were in this crazy situation, and God really worked things out, and then, you know, we made this dumb decision over here, and then, you know, God kind of helped us with that, too, and <laughs> It was crazy, and, and I actually remember thinking, wow, I was so quick to forget these things, or maybe not forget them, but just, like, not think about them, you know, until I started to tell my story, and then they, they came out, and I was like, oh, wow, God has been so faithful, and even, I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, two of these things that we talked about have just happened since we moved to Waterloo, and have been a part of this church. It's not even like, Oh, yeah, well, that happened, like, four years ago. and No, like, I'm talking about things that have happened, like, weeks ago. So part of just discovering how God has been faithful to you is just start telling your story to people. You'd be amazed at what comes out. See, there's this common theme in the Bible. You see it a lot. You see it a lot where the Bible says, don't you remember when this happened? Why don't you believe that it can happen again? It's across the entire Bible. And uh, it, it's easy when we read the Bible to kind of remove ourselves from it and be like, yeah, how could they forget? <laughs> Man, the other day I was thinking, wow, Ryan, you forgot. I feel like God was saying, hey, remember when I did this and how you've already forgotten? So tell your story. Remember how God's been faithful to you. Look to the cross. Start there. Start with the, the forgiveness and the salvation that you already get to walk through every day. When you wake up every morning, God has already been faithful to you. <laughs> yeah. Just think about it. The second lesson from this story on owning your faith is that owning your faith means knowing the calling God has for your life. Joshua and Caleb um, took hold of the understanding that this was God's plan, this was the promised land for them. It was part of God's plan for them and for Israel. And God was going to make it happen. And they didn't know how that was going to happen. They just knew it was going to work out. And so, again, some of you might be thinking, oh, man, God's calling my life? Whew, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tall order. Like, I, I have no idea. Like, what does is, what is calling even mean? Like, how do I know what God's purpose is for me and my life? And I'm just a teenager and, like, I don't know. I can't think about, like, what I'm going to do after impact, and I, like, forget knowing what I'm going to do with my life. Well, again, let me offer you a starting point, because when you talk about calling, there's two elements to it. First of all, calling is both corporate, as in all of us, and individual, as in just you. So corporately, as a 
body of believers, as a group of people who come together and believe in Jesus, we together are called to do things, right? Go into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. These are callings that we can all corporately take a hold of. So that's a really good place for you to start as an individual, figure out your calling. Just think about these things that are already in the Bible, that are corporate callings for all of us. Take hold of them and start there. And uh, really talking about calling is a whole other message, and I'm sure there's another leader at another time to unpack that. But let's just agree to start there. And, and then seek wisdom with the leaders here about what your, what your individual calling might be. Like, what is your purpose for your life? What is the purpose for the relationship you're in right now? What is the purpose for the relationship you wish you were in right now? All these things um, are part of, the, of this calling. Calling isn't just necessarily um, the job you're supposed to have, right? <clears throat> or what you're supposed to do with your life. Calling is kind of interwoven into all of these places. So, again, take hold of the universal callings we have, corporate callings as a church. Seek the wisdom to understand your individual calling with the leaders that you have. So owning our faith means looking back where God has been faithful to us and understanding God's calling on our lives. Just like Joshua and Caleb. They remembered where, how God had gotten to them to where they were, and they understood the purpose and the calling that God had for them to go into the promised land. So let's talk about living our faith. So in the battle of fear versus faith, we need to know where our faith is, own our faith, and live our faith. I want to tell you, I want to get really personal and, re- and tell you a, a bit of my own story. Because like I said, you guys know that I used to be a youth pastor, but no one in this room knows why I'm not a youth pastor anymore. <laughs> it's kind of a secret. <laughs> Till now. <laughs> you might be wondering, like, wait, you said you were a youth pastor. Why aren't you? Okay. Um, so let me tell you. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. So I was a youth pastor in a little tiny town called Corona. Has anyone ever been heard of or passed through Corona, Ontario? No, I didn't think so. (laughs) Have you ever been to Sarnia, Ontario? Maybe you've been through Sarnia, yes. So Corona is just outside of Sarnia. It's just like a little town, like 10, 15 minutes away from Sarnia. Um, So yeah, I was fresh out of Bible college, straight into my very first job as a pastor um, in this little tiny church, and uh, it was exciting, you know, I was, re- I was ready at Bible college, and I was excited to take what I've learned and, and do the whole youth pastor thing, and uh, I started to develop a fear, a fear of failure. It's funny, because I would do youth on Friday nights, just like we are right now, <clears throat> and like Friday's afternoons, um, I would be sitting in my office, crippled, by the fear that no one was going to show up to youth that night. Like, I can't even explain it. Like, I, I, it just would happen. And I was so afraid that I was failing this group and that I was failing this position I was in and that no one was going to show up that night. That was just like, it was, it, 
was going to be true. It was the, of the reality of what was happening. And then people would show up, and we would do youth. And at the end, I could tell you a bunch of stuff that I had failed at that night. But I couldn't tell you the success of that night. I couldn't, you know, tell you about the incredible ministry, ministry time we would have or, you know, a conversation I would have with, with someone after about something that God was doing in their life. But I could tell you the things that I felt like I had failed that group on. So I started this cycle of, of being so crippled by this fear of failure that I started to tell myself that I was failing or I would look for reasons to, to see where I was failing. So much that I got to the point where <clears throat> I was like, I might, as well, I might as well just quit this quit before I get fired because I'm so terrible at this and because I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a huge failure. <laughs> like, seriously, I, this is the kind of, like, rhetoric I'd be telling myself. So I started to believe these, these lies of the enemy. And as much as people told me, um, oh, I was doing a good job, or, you know, if, if other churches, you know, heard about me, or, I, you know, people from, I was in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, so there was, like, a whole district thing, and, like, the leaders of the district were like, oh, I've heard about you from so-and-so. And so, like, people somehow knew where I was, and they're like, oh, you're doing so great. And there was a kind of... It was just like this exciting thing, but no matter how much people told me it was going well, I just totally believed I was failing because I had this incredible fear. Most of the time in the battle of fear versus failure, we need to stop looking ahead and start living where we are right now. Because what happened to me was I... I wasn't able to just stop and just take control of the situation I was in. Because my fear was making me focus on what was coming. Like, it was making me focused on this failure that was going to happen. Like I said, I was kind of in this in-between, this in-between of what was going on and the outcome. But I was so convinced that that outcome was, was failure that I was unable to just stop and focus on what I could control. So what ended up happening was I quit. <laughs> and then, here's the thing about this battle of faith and fear, is that <laughs> when the battle's over, like I lost the battle, well, it was just one battle in a war. And what ended up happening was um, I quit, and then that just opened up a whole other world of fears that the devil was going to use. I was afraid right after this happened. So I quit. We move our whole family. I take a different job. <clears throat> I think it's going to be great. And I'm not even joking when I say the first day at my new job. I was like, wow, this was a humongous mistake. And I've just ruined my life. <laughs> Instantly, I regretted it. And now I started down this road of being afraid that I was never going to have that opportunity again. I was like, well, you know. I started processing and be like, okay, God, yeah, you know what? You did call me into ministry, and, and you did call me um, to preach and all these things, but I, I gave it up. I quit, so now I'm afraid that I'm never going to have that opportunity again. <laughs> Funny. Here I am. <laughs> it was a long road to get here. So I came to a point then, 
and I didn't come to this point on my own, believe me. <laughs> Took a lot of mentorship. I know, was it last week you guys were talking about mentorship? With, who was up here? Jonathan and Adam. I know that because I do all the messages on the website, see? <laughs> so I know who is here. I'm listening from a distance. <laughs> so, not, not on my own. It, t- it took mentors. It took conversations with my wife, who, Lord bless her, was <laughs> wet through this whole, like, crazy time with me. It took some counseling to really just come to this place where I realized I needed to just stop and take control of the things that I could take control of. So here are the three things that are universally controllable in your life, no matter where you are, no matter what battle you're going through, these three things are three things that you can control. Your attitude, your respect, and how hard you work at the task that God has put in front of you. Because like I said, fear tries to show you what you can't control, right? It's kind of like this, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Like, it's always like looking onward into the distance. So when you're in this battle, you need to stop and you need to take control of the things that you can. In Matthew 6, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Matthew 6, 33, 34, it says, But seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This scripture was like, you know when you have those like life verses? Like who says like a scripture that they're like, yes, that is like my, like you just hold on to it, like it's your scripture. That, this, these verses for me growing up, I was always, because I was like, man, I'm a worrier, so like I'm just going to hold on to this, like don't worry, don't worry. But this whole like seek first his kingdom thing always just like puzzled me. I was like, what does that mean? Like does it mean I just need to be like bringing people to church, like seek like getting his kingdom bigger, I don't know. Like yeah, okay, yeah, that's maybe part of it, but it was always like there has to be more to it. And I think that this is the more to it. The more to it is, if you look through the Bible, there's a few things that God kind of like keeps bringing up, like attitude, (laughs) respect, working at the heart, at the things that God has entrusted with you in the moment that he's trusting you with it. So what does that mean for you? Working hard at the schoolwork that you have? Maybe it's respecting the boss that you have, a part-time job you have, or respecting your parents. These are all things that you can be doing right now that you can take control. Like, forget the big, forget the battle. Forget the, the battle. Stop and take control of the things that you can control right now where you are. Because the thing is, is once you stop and you work on those things, it's just like everything else just works itself out. Because you have faith in the God of the outcome, right? So I stopped, and I focused on these things. I tried to make sure that I had the best attitude I could have. I did the best I could to be respectful of the people that were above me, and I worked really hard at my job. And then everything else worked itself out. 
I just trusted that God, I trusted that God had a plan and a purpose for me. And I could be confident in that calling that he had on my life, but I wasn't going to make it happen on my own. I was just going to kind of, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just focus on these things, God. And if this is your purpose and plan for me, I'm just going to trust and believe that it's going to happen. I'm going to be certain of the things that I cannot see and believe that you're going to make it happen and that all things are going to work out for your good and for your glory. So take control of what you can. Living our faith means seeking the kingdom of God and believing that God is going to take care of the rest. The band can come back up. Where are you all at? So in our lives, we are going to find ourselves on this battleground between fear and faith. And if we want faith to win that battle, three things. We need to know where our faith is in. We're going to have faith in the God of the outcome, not the outcome. We need to own our faith. We need to remember where God brought us from and understand the calling and purpose he has on our life and trust in that. And thirdly, we need to live our faith. We need to take control of what we can take control of in the moment and believe that God is going to take care of the rest because fear tries to show us what we can't control. And God says, I can give you things that you can control. I'm going to pray, and then the band is going to lead us in a few more songs. So let's all stand and just prepare ourselves for that. And honestly, if this, if this means something to you tonight, I just encourage you just to like grab hold of it. Just think through some of these things. Where are the battles in your life right now where you're battling between this faith and this fear? And what are some of the things that I said that really resonated with you? I encourage you just to focus on those things during this time of worship. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for everyone in this room. God, thank you you, first of all, for the faithfulness that you have in us. The faithfulness to sacrifice your own son so that we can live a life that has forgiveness and grace and salvation. Lord, I just pray against fear. I pray that all of us in this room, when we find ourselves in that battle, that we'll be able to just take hold of our faith. Because we believe that you are bigger than any fear that we can have. And you are bigger than any outcome we can find ourselves in. And if we just have our faith in you, we get to be a part of the big picture. So God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to work in this room. Speak to our hearts. And let us just be open to what you have to say to us. And I pray this all in your powerful name. Amen.